Amen. Give God some praise. Give him some glory. If it's been good to you, just give him some praise right now. I don't know about y'all. I, like, I don't like quiet Christians. Quiet Christians to me are suspicious. There's something not right with a quiet Christian because guess what? We have something to shout about. We have something in this day to shout about, to herald. Amen. God bless y'all this morning. Really excited. Uh oh, I better put my other eyes on y'all. I'm not seeing up here too well. I've had the opportunity. I was able to go out front and actually kind of bring everybody in. I felt like I was at the Cowboy Stadium and a good game was getting ready to take place. But how many of you know that we're in the greatest game there is to be in? I'm so excited to be here this morning. Uh, Pastor Nathan is absent. We, we, we just give him praise. We thank God for the things that he's doing here in Thrive Community. I'm so thankful for um, my wife. My beautiful wife is here. Where are you at, babe? There she is. Y'all give her a hand clap. That is my help me. Lady Harrington, where you at? Where she at? There she is, Amy. There you go. God bless you. We thank God for her. We thank God for her leadership of Thrive. We thank God for you guys. Hey, y'all. Y'all quiet on me. Let's go to something else. I, I got to get y'all going. Boy, the day is over. We're going to get going before we get out of here. Let me check my time right quick. Okay. Um, I, I just want to, baby, can I tell one joke? Because they're just not cooperating with me. Can I tell one? Now, let me tell you something. When I tell my joke, if you've already heard it and you don't laugh, I'm going to be offended. So if you've heard it before, you laugh like it's your first time. There was a pastor that visited one of the mothers at the church and spent some time with her and getting wisdom from her. And he sat there and they talked and discussed. And there was a bowl of nuts on the table and he began to eat those nuts. And she began to talk about the things that she liked about the church and the things that she liked about him as a pastor. And he got excited and he just kept eating those nuts. And time just went on. And then he all of a sudden realizes, I've been here quite some time. It's probably time to leave and give her uh, her privacy again. So he said, well, sister, I'm going to have to get up and go. It's really been a pleasure. So he gets up and proceeds to the door. Then he thought about how his manners was. He had eaten all of her peanuts. So he turned around and said, I am so sorry. I ate all your peanuts. She said, that's all right, baby. I had already licked all the chocolate off of her. <laughs> My wife's ears like this. <laughs> Amen. But I got them going, though. Amen. We thank God. We thank God for the word today. Um, my, I commit uh, scripture to memory. My memory verse today comes from Psalms 119 and 11. And that that word that I've hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. And when I really think about uh, this particular verse, I think about the fact that uh, thy word, that's the rules and the laws that are found in the first five books of the Bible, which we call in the West, we call it the Old Testament, or the Torah in the East, known as the books of Moses. And when we look at the Torah, we have to realize that even though it's the books of law in our context, the way we see it, we see it as laws, it's governing rules that keeps us from doing things. But if we really understand from the Eastern perspective, it's instructions on how to hit the mark. What's hitting the mark? What is sin? What is sin? Sin in its religion's context is when one progresses against uh, a divine law. And every culture has its own interpretation of what it means to commit a sin. 
While sin are generally actions, thoughts, words, and uh, which are acts that are considered immoral, selfish, uh, and and rules that you have broken, uh, and 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 from the the mindset of disobeying the rules of God. These rules and the laws, like I said a few minutes ago, are found in the first five books of the Bible, which are called the Torah. And sin uh, means uh, a Hebrew word by kata, and kata means simply to miss the mark. To sin is to uh, miss the mark by living uh, in a non-virtuous manner, not only failing to meet God's commandment, but act against our own interests by engaging in a world of immoral manner. To sin is to fall short of our potential. It, to sin is missing the mark of our high self and our best quality of life. So while we look at uh, sin in the West, in our culture, we practice the mark, we practice uh, not, uh, we, we practice or we focus on not hitting the mark. We focus more on the sin that people commit than the commandment that God gave. And the commandment God gave trumps out the sin that people commit. Because when God gave us the word, he gave us freedom in the word. He gave us a way out. He gave us a way to, 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 to walk uh, in a sense of victory because of his word. Because he showed us how we are to hit the mark. And how we don't miss the mark. But like I say, we spend more time in modern Christianity on how to miss the mark instead of hitting the mark. You know, a team, when it's playing, you find a team that's playing basketball, and they're ahead by 80-something points. They don't turn around and try not to lose the game. They keep trying to win the game. So why do we focus on losing a game when we're already winning? We are already winning the game because we are God's children. Now, let's talk about context. Uh, context is a thing that we have to understand when we begin to look at the, uh, the scripture because the scripture cannot mean today what it didn't mean when it was first spoken or when it was written. It has to mean the same thing. So in context, if y'all would let me use for an illustration, baby, I got to use you again. I'm sorry, but I just want to confess in front of all these people that I cheated on you. Now, some folks say, oh, no, did he say he cheated on her? I wonder who he cheated with. What did she look? Did she look like him? Y'all need to get y'all mind out the gutter. I'm cheating on her playing cards. Y'all need to get it together. That, that's her context on it. You need to hear the whole story to understand the context. And understanding the context is something that I'm looking at today in a story that I've been studying. My brother is back there. Uh, early in the week, I said, man, I'm, I'm preaching on Father's Day, and I want to focus on fathers. So uh, he, he gave me a scripture, Ezekiel, Ezekiel uh, 22, and I went in there looked at it, and I said, yeah, that's really good, but I had a fishing trip, y'all, and on the fishing trip, I had an epitome. And while I was out there on that fishing trip, I began to think about a story that I had read in Mark 4 and 35. Now, Mark 4 and 35, uh, we'll find that when it comes to that point, Jesus had been teaching, and then he, the, the crowd had backed him up to the boat that the disciples were in. And in Mark uh, 4 and 35, the, the Bible says, On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let's go across to the other side. Uh, and when we begin to think about context, we have to think about what the disciples heard when they said, let's go to the other side. See, a lot of us, when we hear that word, we think like, oh, Jesus said, let's go to the other side. Let's go. 
But no, when you look at the context and the day that the disciples lived in and you understand uh, what the disciples were hearing when they heard this, it, it was not something that they were really ready to receive. It's evening and it's getting ready for nightfall. And he says, let's go over to the other side. And uh, the disciple began to think about it. And Jesus was talking about the other side of, the Gal of Galilee. The disciples would not want to go into the sea because the disciples had a fear of the death. If you know one thing about the disciples, anytime they fished, they fished near the banks. They never fished in the deep. And they had a fear of going in the deep because of the abyss. And knowing that uh, to go to the other side was just a day's journey, I'm quite sure they would think, well, why won't we just walk on over there? Why should we go across this sea out there in the abyss? And by the way, every time the sea comes up in the Bible, something bad happens. Y'all remember Jonah got swallowed? Y'all remember things always happen. You know, the disciples, I mean, the, the apostle got shipwrecked. The disciples got caught out in storms. So here they are like, no, we don't want to do that. So they're thinking about that. That's the first thing that they begin to think about. And the other thing you have to realize that in their culture and their context, uh, they were raised in schools that taught them the word. They knew the word by heart. They, they knew the word in their school. So when uh, the context came for Jesus saying, hey, let's go to the other side, they began to think about the way that they was taught. And when they were taught that on the other side was where the pagans and the heathens lived, that's where the folks lived that you didn't want to have nothing to do with, uh, they were taught to not even look on the other side and definitely not to go on the other side. So I just want to ask the question today, who are your other siders? Who are on the other side that your parents and people coming up saying don't have nothing to do with them? They are no good. Who are your other siders today? Because when the disciples looked at it, they had reasons why when they looked on the other side, they had some issues they were dealing with. There's some issues we're dealing with in the country today, and I will discuss those in a few minutes. But we realized that uh, uh, we have other siders. And is there a people group who you would deny the gospel because they're other siders? Are there people that you wouldn't approach with the gospel of Jesus Christ because they are other siders? Fathers, we wish you a happy Father's Day, but even in Father's Day, we have a responsibility to other siders, those that are on the other side of the track. We have a responsibility to those that those sinners, because guess what? Sinners are sinners regardless of where they come from. Filthy rags are filthy rags regardless of where filthy rags come from. They're filthy rags. It don't matter what they look like, how they talk, where they come from, what they do. They're filthy rags and they're sinners in the view of God. And God expects for us to be his ears, mouth, and hands in the earth. When we begin to look at this scripture and the fact that uh, he had asked them to go on the other side. However, in context, we have to realize that they decided to go on the other side because their rabbi, their teacher, the Lord asked them to go on the other side. And because they trusted their teacher and they knew that their rabbi had full responsibility because a rabbi had parental responsibility over his Talmuds or his students. So they would go on the other side just because Jesus said go on the other side. Regardless of their prejudice, regardless of what they feared, regardless of being told all their life that you don't do this, here a rabbi shows up and said, hey, we're going to the other side where your parents told you not to go. 
So they embark on going the other side. And Mark 4 and 37 says that a great windstorm arose. Y'all know the story. And the wave were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. Uh, but Jesus, he was at the stern on a cushion. And they woke him and said, teacher, uh, do you not care we are perishing? And Mark 4 and 39 said, he awoke and he rebuked, rebuked the winds and the sea. Peace be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. What were the disciples thinking in all of this? What were the disciples' responsibility in all of this? The scripture that I opened with, that scripture that, that talks about uh, taking the word of God in my heart so that I wouldn't sin, so that I would hit the mark, they began to think about hitting the mark. What's the context of that, Barnes? The context of that is this right here. Uh, they said that, they, uh, they woke him and said, teacher, do you not care that we perish it? When the last time you was in a situation, when the last time you were in a circumstance that it seemed like this stuff won't let up, every time I turn around, something comes up. This person got cancer. That person got cancer. We got this going on in the world. We, 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 we got COVID happening. We can't go to church. We, we got all this thing. We got Rachel's tensions in the world. Let me say this one thing right here. Saints, as long as Jesus is on the boat, I don't know about y'all, but I'm going to be in the eye of the storm because he's on the boat. See, because even in your turmoil, even in your chaos, if you can get to the center of the boat, where is the center of the boat? The center of his word. If you can get to the point where he is in your trouble, then you can get the word of why that trouble is there. Because, see, we're quick to say that I'm going through this because the devil sent it on me. I'm going through this because I did this and I did that. What if God sent it? What if God caused the storm to rise in your life? Because he's trying to get something out of you. He's trying to get you to see something. Saints, I'm going to tell you, more times than, than most, when you're going through something, it's God trying to show you something. And the thing that we do, we're like, Jesus, come quickly. We're quickly wanting to get out of the storm. But there's no benefit for you going through the storm and you get out of the storm and you didn't get the lessons of the storm. Let me say that again. If you're in the midst of the storm and you're in a hurry and you're calling all your prayer partners and you're saying, please, y'all, y'all pray for me because I need to come out of this. This is too much for me. No, it's not too much for you because it was prescribed for you by God. So instead of calling your prayer partners, instead of calling who you call the prayer warrior, they should tell you, baby, just go on weather that storm because God is on the boat with you. I'm not worried about a storm as long as he's on the boat with me. If he's in the ship with me, I'm not worried. Let the storms rise. Let them come. And I'm saying that in the context of how the disciples would have heard this. Because the Bible says in 439, he said, He woke and rebuked the storms and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Uh, what were the disciples thinking in all of this? Y'all remember I said a little bit earlier that you have to have context with the scripture? I said earlier that the disciples memorized the word. So in the middle of the storm, uh, they're in a dark place. And saints, any time that you're in a dark place, God's desire is to give you illumination. He wants to light the way for you so you can see what you're going through. So when they began to hear this, they began to hear Psalms 107, 23 through 30. Psalms 107, 22, 30 says this here. He says, some went down to ships. And you've got to realize that this was written before this occurrence. 
This was written in, in, in the Old Testament, in the Tanakh. This was not written in the New Testament. This is a New Testament sighting of an Old Testament word. So he says here, some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. Saints, oftentimes God wants to do his great words in your deepest trouble and your deepest turmoil, and your deepest trial. That's why he want to do his best work. He said, they saw the deeds of the Lord. He'll show up in your troubles. He'll do some great deeds and, and, and your unrest. He said, here, he said, they saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous work. And then that 25th verse says this, for he commanded and raised the stormy winds. God had called the wind into existence. Why? Because God wanted them to see him. God wanted them to know that he was on the boat with them. He said, for he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heavens, and then they went down to the depths. Uh, their carriage melted away, even in their evil plight. And the disciples are thinking about this word. They're, they're, they're seeing this thing going on, and they're going through this experience, and they're thinking about the Torah because it's written on their heart. Then they cried to the Lord, this Old Testament. Then they cried to the Lord and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still and the waves of the sea he hearsed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet and he brought them to their desired haven. Saints, we have to realize that when they were going through the midst of this, all of a sudden they got enlightenment. What was their enlightenment? God is with us. He's right here in the boat with us. We don't have nothing to worry about. Like us, when we're in the midst of a storm, we come out of that storm and we see, look like everything's going to be all right. Guess what? We're ready to go home. We're ready to go back. I'm enlightened now. I know that he owned the ship with me, so ain't no need of us going over to the other side, so we might as well just go on back home. But no. The job is not finished. He said, let's go to the other side. Even though discovery happens going to the other side, there's still work that you got to do on the other side. And he brings enlightenment in the storm so that you can do the work on the other side. And this is exactly what happened to them. Uh, the Bible said that in Mark 4.41, they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this? that even the winds and the seas obey him. And when I used to read that, I really didn't put any weight on that. But this was the point of illumination. This was the point that they finally realized that, yeah, this is God with us. Because if you go back to Psalms again, Psalms 89, 5 through 6, it said, let the heaven praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness in the assembly of the Holy One. For who is in the sky can be compared to the Lord? Who among the heavenly begins is like the Lord? So that's the question. Like, who is like the Lord? He calmed the sea. The same thing that, that they had read, that they had memorized, that they had learned in uh, their, their day schools. They had learned this, and now God is walking them through it. But still, they have something to overconquer, to overcome, because they have been given a command to go to the other side. They have been raised in a culture that told them, don't look over to the other side. Don't have anything to do with the other side. Well, let's look at the other side. What's going on on the other side? You have to realize that when, when, when the children of Israel came into Canaan land, Joshua ran all these folks over to the other side. 
and there was the league of the seven, seven cities. And in that city, you had, you had the, uh, uh, the Canites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perites, uh, the Gergesites, the Amorites, the Jebusites. You had all them sites over there. And guess what? Your ancestors had kicked them out of their land because God had gave them that land. And now you're going over there. You're going over there and they're a heathen nation. Ain't no telling what you're going to see when you go over there. When you go over there, all kind of chaos is going to break out. But he just enlightened you. Saints, let me say something. Our churches on Sunday morning, they're filled with people that go and get enlightened. But do you know that if you get enlightened and you don't have obedience, that enlightenment is not fulfilled. You have to have obedience and enlightenment. Anytime the word of God goes forth and your mind is illuminated, you have a responsibility to be obedient to what your mind has been illuminated to. You have that responsibility. We, we have to realize that we should, not only see, we should only see people as saved and lost. I don't know about y'all, but, you know, I look at all the unrest in our country. I look at all the stuff that's going on, and I don't know, I guess I'm oblivious to it because I don't feel none of it. Because guess what? I'm in the middle of his will. I'm in the middle of his peace. I'm in the middle of his peace. And like I explained to somebody, I had a, a, a friend call me a couple of weeks ago, and he was trying to explain to me the genealogy of, uh, of black people in the Bible. I said, well, hold on for a minute, brother. I understand all of that. That sounds good. But my Bible tells me that those that are in Christ are a new creation. I'm a new creature. Y'all might think that's what on the earth side I'm black, but on the, on the heavenly side I'm a child of God. My power is not on the earthly side. My power is on the heavenly side. Guess what? Uh, demons and, and, and authorities in the dark realm, they're not going to listen to the things that I walk in in the earth. But guess what? My heavenly voice has power. Because the Bible said that his word will accomplish what it set out to do. So when I speak his word the way he spoke his word, it will do what he wanted it to do. But I can't speak it out of context. We have people that are full of word without context. We have to realize that loss is lost, like I said earlier. Filthy rags comes in all kinds of ways. Why did our Lord and Savior use a plan like this? Why did he use these disciples? Saints, now, this may shock a lot of people, but we have to realize that this was Jesus' plan. What was his plan? His plan was that he would use racist, prejudiced, rejected, immature teenagers to bring the gospel to all of us. Let me say it again. He used racist, prejudiced, rejected, immature teenagers so that we could have the gospel. And he didn't have a backup plan. And it worked real well. Because a little old country boy by the name of Rick Barnes from the city came across the gospel that came from the apostles, that came from the disciples, that was illuminated and began to obey. And because I obeyed that prejudice that they walked in, the racism that they walked in, the rejection that they walked in, I related to it. And when I related to it, I said, God, this is the same thing we have in our earth. Why are we so bothered by it? Racist is not new. Prejudice is not new. This is not a new thing. It's a tool that the enemy uses, and he's used it through the generations. How in the world, how can I, a world, in the world, can I be a black Christian or a white Christian? I'm just a Christian. 
How can I be a black believer or a white believer? I'm just a believer. I'm just a believer. Because if you cut me, I'm, my blood going to look just like your blood. Guess what? When I die, my soul going to the same place your soul to, to a heaven or a hell. They're not going to have a black heaven and a white heaven, nor a black hell or a white hell. But guess what? I don't want to do the hell part. Let me have the heaven part, regardless of who's there. So we have to realize when we continue to look at this story, uh, I'm looking at my time here. I'm going to do about, about 10 more minutes and I'm going to let it go, y'all. So when we continue to look at this story, what happens, uh, uh, they want to go home. Lord, we know who you are now. We, 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 we have our word and we know that it's you, Lord. And now we're out of the storm. Everything is peace. We know that we're not going to perish. So we may as well go back home. No, we're going to the other side. What do they see when they get to the other side? They go right over to the other side. And you have to realize that when they get to the other side, it's night. It's dark. Now, they already were frightened by the abyss. But here they are going to the other side. And when they get there, it's dark. And what do they see? They see a man with all his clothes off, just running around in a graveyard. That they done locked him up and put him in chains, and whatever they put him in, he breaks out of it. Can y'all imagine that around here in Athens? If we had somebody to run in the street, and I don't care how much our Athens police uh, uh, preserve and protect, every time they lock him up, he breaks out and he comes back, and he's just running around the street. We're like, oh my Lord. So Jesus approaches him. Now, can you imagine the disciples? Because they probably looking at us and say, I told you we shouldn't have came over here. They ain't got no clothes. They, they ain't got no decency. He ain't got no clothes on. So Jesus walks up to him and began to deal with him, deal with his issues. And as Jesus deals with his issues, he finds out that he's possessed with some demons. And, and in Luke's version, Luke um, states the fact that he knew Jesus far off. He began to talk to Jesus, say, did you come to torment us early? Now, y'all remember I said that the disciples were afraid of the abyss. Did y'all realize them demons was afraid of the abyss also? Because in Luke, he says, he said, uh, command us not to go to the abyss. Jesus is cool. He said, all right, that's cool. Just go in the pigs over there. They went in the pig, and guess where the pig went? Into the abyss. Saints, let me tell you something. We have power in this earth realm. We have powers to speak to demons, but we've got to speak them to them from the context of the word. Do you realize they had to ask Jesus for permission? These disciples, they were Jesus tell me they were the followers of Jesus, and, and their goal and their aim was to be just like the rabbi. I don't know about y'all, but I want to be just like my rabbi. And if my rabbi uh, deal with demons harshly, I want to deal with them harshly. I don't want to come in my house and I got something like exercise. And I come in and say, oh, in the name of Jesus, you got to. No, I'm going to be bold with you. No, you got to get out of here. There's not room in here for both of us. Ain't one of us paying bills and you not it. You got to go. You have no room here. You got to leave here. Because I know who I am and I got the right context of who I am. I'm not in my own power. I'm not in my own strength. But he that lives in me is all powerful. And he done dealt with your kind before. Y'all hear that word? He done dealt with your kind before. What kind? He dealt with you demons before. 
And because he's given you, given you authority, and he's given me authority, make it personal. He's given us authority in the earth to take rule over demons and dominions in the earth realm. Saints, the enemy is playing an evil trick on us. He's separating us. He is separating us. And then they post it all on the news and you see all this unrest and you see all that going on. I didn't see none of y'all on there. Did y'all see me looting anything? I hope not. <laughs> y'all did. I wasn't disguised well. Saints, we have to realize that we have an awesome responsibility because after Jesus had delivered that man from those demons, everybody was astonished when they saw this man because you have to realize he was the naked man running around. They didn't even give him a name in the Bible. They called him the man. The man that was running around town naked that they couldn't keep tied up all of a sudden had clothes on and was talking with sense going all around. So much so that people were overwhelmed. So much so that when Jesus got ready to depart, he asked Jesus, can I go with you? Jesus said, no, you stay right here. Saints, where is our greatest influence? Our greatest influence around those that know us, know where we came from, know our background, know when God has made a difference in our life. And when they can see that, when you're transparent enough to let them see that God has changed your life, then they'll want the same change. Later on, Jesus goes back to that same shore. And when he goes back to that same shore, there's a multitude on that shore waiting for Jesus when he comes. Why do y'all think he came? Or those people came? They came because of that one man that Jesus left in that region that went to the league of seven cities heralding how good Jesus was, how good Jesus is and what he did for him. And saints, we have to realize that we got the wrong context of a lot of things. We think that preaching is us getting up here on a microphone, standing before y'all on a Sunday morning. That's not preaching. Preaching is a town crier. A preacher is one that heralds the good news. In, in, in their context, in the Roman context, if a Roman king had a son, that heralder would go through the city and say, Yay, yay, we have a new son. There's a new son born in the king. That's our job to be heralders in the earth. It's our job to bring the good news in the earth. There's enough bad news in the earth. Yeah, we do have racism in our country. Yes, we do have unrest in our country. Yes, we do have disagreement in our country. But we got Jesus in our country, so I don't care about the storm. He is in the midst of the storm and because he is in the midst of the storm, guess what? I'm in the eye of the storm and I have perfect peace. And I'm not going to let anybody dictate to me. I, did somebody say I was done now? She tell me I was done. That baby told me to shut up, y'all. It's about time. She, 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 that baby boy, she that's enough of that. This is not a children's story. Preacher, go Harold somewhere else. We thank God for y'all, but I just wanted to stress about three things. The first thing is this right here. It is important that you get the word for yourself. The things that I've talked about today, don't take my word for it. Research it for yourself. And if you see me on the street somewhere and you found something that was different than I said, hey, you're not going to offend me and say, preacher, look here, I saw this here and it wasn't like you said. Tell me so I can be enlightened. So I can obey. See, my whole reason for being enlightened is so that I can be obedient. 
See, some people want to be enlightened so they can act like they know so much about the Bible. I'm so deep. I have this Bible and I know all the scriptures. No, I want to be enlightened so that I can be obedient to my God. The second thing is I have to realize that who others, who are my others? I have to identify who my saints. I purposely see people that I feel like don't like me. Now, can I be real with y'all? See, I'm a real type person, and, and that's my buddy back there. He know I tell it just like it is. Guess what? I, I, I walked in some places where, you know, some more boys were standing there, and I know they didn't like my kind. But guess what? I'm the type that walk up and say, hey, man, how you doing? I don't get no smile. God bless you, man. I, and, and I don't give up. I'm persistent. Because I know one thing about it. I know a smile is contagious. You may act like it didn't bother you, but I know this one thing. If my heart is pure and I stand before you, God going to bring my face up in your presence again. So I'm not afraid. I'm, I'm not afraid because I know who holds it all in their hand. And the last thing is when we get enlightened, when we come to church, Pastor Nathan is an awesome teacher. When he teaches, a lot of people have the habit of saying, boy, he really teaches today. How are you going to apply what he teaches in your life? How are you going to make application out of it? How are you going to obey what he taught? Because if he really taught well, and you really believe that he taught well, you'll begin to live what he taught well. And not only that, these stories that we tell, we tell out of the Bible, they're meant to be retold. When I tell a story, guess what? You should make this story your own. Because God is going to put you in a spear where you can tell the same story to someone else that may need to hear the same story that I've told today. Amen. And I've rushed through it. And baby said, sit down. So I'm going to call the praise team up here. I'm going to be obedient to the child from the mouths of babes. Amen. God bless y'all. Love y'all.